Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about corn diseases. But even if you don't raise corn, a lot of these diseases are either the same or pretty similar in other crops. So some of the control methods, again, will be the same or similar to other crops. Anyway, if you've got any questions about that or anything going on on your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. In just a minute, we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag. Before we do, I guess I'll just say with corn diseases, the number one thing for me anymore is just making sure that that crop gets off to a good start. So a lot of people have been talking about Zyway or Headline or there have been a number of different fungicides getting used in furrow. I would just say we see more advantage to that when you're planting early and when you're going for high yields. But it is something that you could at least be trying and then your crop gets ahead. I'd also say as the season progresses, please don't think that you can scout, see the disease, and then treat. It's never going to work. It, fungicides just simply do not work that way. They are horrible rescue products. Horrible. They're really good preventative products, but they're just they're awful if you are going to scout see the disease, and then try to spray it, well, you've already lost a lot of your yield, so or a lot of the yield you were going to lose from that particular disease. So this is the challenge with spraying a fungicide foliar, and I don't care what crop we're talking about, you have to spray before you see the disease. And, and so anyway, yeah, it, it gets challenging. Now, it's not so bad today when crop prices are good. I, I mean, like on our farm, I'm going to tell you right now, we're for sure spraying our soybeans at least twice. We are for sure going to spray our corn twice. Why wouldn't I? I I'm protecting big time yields and I got great commodity prices. The cost of the fungicide in comparison is cheap and I can't have a disaster. I was just the other day, I think this is at our soils clinic. I had a guy walk up and he goes, so yeah, I think this next year I'm going to spray for tar spot. And I go, yeah, so what happened? And he goes, well, I didn't spray this year. And in some areas I lost, I, I believe I lost about a hundred bushels. Can you imagine that in a year like this year when corn's $7 and you lose a hundred bushels, that's $700 an acre. That would literally pay for all the fungicide you need for the next I'd have to run the math. 30 years, 40 years. I, I mean, that's what we call a disaster. And we can't have that. So if you're in an area that's had a history of diseases, if you know there's disease possible in your area, then that's where you got to say, well, I'm either going to pull the trigger or I'm going to take my chance. If you want to take your chances, you that that's your call. You're the farmer. You get to decide. But I just know on my farm, especially when commodity prices are good, I'm willing to pull that trigger pretty early. Now, if commodity prices weren't good, my yield level was low, and I and especially if, let's say I was in a drought year, I didn't have a history of disease around my area, you know, I'm probably not going to be doing much. Even in our area, we're kind of on the edge here where we haven't had a lot of issue with corn diseases in the past. Wind spraying a fungicide in corn has been best, has been the wet years. 2018 and 2019, we had phenomenal results. In the drought years of 2020, 21, and 22, not as much, but I, I do look at humidity 
plays a big role in this too. It's not just rainfall, it's humidity. So you can look at those two factors. Hey, am I getting rain or do I have really high humidity levels? In the last three years on our farm, in July and August, we've actually, believe it or not, had more humidity on average in those two months. And I know this because we have a weather station right here. It's been more than Miami, Florida. We've been more humid in July and August than Miami, Florida has been. <laughs> so it's fairly tropical. And I, I don't know that we used to have that much humidity here, but we, we certainly do now since there's so much corn raised throughout our area and good soybeans and everything else. So anyway, just some of the things for you to think about. We'll talk about corn diseases throughout the show today, but right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! Got this one from Lance, a dairy farmer up in Vermont. Lance said, we've been pulling soil samples one location per 20 acres every third year. And actually, uh, we've got a company, not our fertilizer dealer, but uh, another nutrient compliance company that's been pulling those samples for us. Honestly, I don't even have the samples. It, it appears to me we're like many dairy farms where we're focused very much on doing a great job with herdsmanship but not as good a job on the crops. So I'm kind of asking you where I should start. Uh, we've got roughly 2,300 tillable acres. Half of it we own, half of it we rent. Uh, we're doing reduced till on about half and no-till on the other half. Uh, manure management is top spreading on perennial forages and injection or direct incorporation on most of the corn fields. Uh, we aren't doing variable rate. We're varying by the field. I got a lot of cover crops out there. Uh, just uh, give you a couple other things here. He said, right now, silage yields are 13 and a half to 17 tons. Now, I don't know if that's dry or if that's as is. I'm not sure. He doesn't say. Uh, he said, in their haylage yields, they aren't even being tracked regularly on a field uh, basis. Rolling terrain, no pattern tile. Anyway, he said, just kind of curious, where, where would be some areas you'd say, all right, guys, here's what you should learn up on, and here's what you should get started with okay that's a lot of stuff um the best learning for any farmer is always going to be in your own farm now you can go listen to other farmers you can listen to darren and me i mean we've been on i was just looking darren i didn't realize this, this is our 10th year on sirius xm radio so super exciting uh 10 years we've been doing this show we've been doing our ag phd tv show for 25 years now it's been 25 years so you can listen to us with all these different things and look at all the stuff we're doing, but you're going to learn more by just looking at your own farm. So here's what I would do. Number one uh, is I would take at least one or two fields that you own, and I would do one-acre grids. And I know it's going to cost a little bit of money, but trust me, at least one time you have to do it. Send us the results if you want. We'll take a look at them, and, and then we can go from there and tell you what to do fertility-wise. I'd also look at drain tile. If there are areas on your farm, and we'll be able to see this with some of the soil tests too, but if there are some areas that need tile, put in at least a little bit, try some things out. So that's our, our biggest statement, try some things on your farm. Stay tuned. Farmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. 
One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're going to get into our discussion on corn diseases here in just a second. Brian, did you have a couple last thoughts you wanted to finish up on that? Vermont oh, yeah. Dairy? Sorry. Yep. So I, I ran out of time to say this, but when we're not doing variable rate, that's one of the biggest things I would say you really want to do variable rate. And I'll, I'll be able to prove that to you and show that to you when you send me if you send me your soil tests where I can where I see one acre grids for one or two of your fields so let's say it's 80 acres that which means I'm going to literally have 80 different samples there I'll guarantee you you're going to have variability there I don't know if it'll be pH phosphorus potassium what's going to be variable exactly but something will and when something is variable we want to take that variability out or at least reduce that variability. And it also, because of the variability, it's telling us where to spend or where to invest our fertilizer dollars. We want to put them in the right places. And you might say, well, I'm putting manure in all this stuff. Well, yeah, but are you short on something? Are you long on something? I don't know. We want to, we want to try to help you get more tons and not necessarily spend any more money net. So, or put another way, or there is another way to do this, spend a little more money and get a lot more tons. Basically, the point is to figure out how we get a better return on the investment on the farm. And so with soil testing, doing variable rate, and then taking a look at putting some tile in, if necessary, those are things that can absolutely pay. They have made us on our farm so much money, I can't even tell you. All right. Well, good luck. And I know you're going to have more questions. And I, I mean, for me, I would just start with, let's just take one field, soil sample the thing, do it on small grids, like one acre grids and send us the samples. We'll take a look. We can start from there managing soils a little bit and, and uh, work, work from that. All right. Let's get into our discussion today on corn diseases. Get Katie Strathman right, right now with BASF. Katie, how you doing? 
Doing well. How are you guys today? Pretty good. All right, Katie. First of all, BASF, you're supposed to be the plant health people, but we're talking corn diseases today. It's not just about disease control. It is about plant health as well. So got a couple different uh, different ways to go on this discussion. I'll let you get started. Absolutely. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head by talking about disease control and plant health as a two-in-one issue, right? Because part of being healthy is not being sick. And so it's important that by choosing to use a BISF plant health fungicide, you get disease control. But at BISF, it's more than just the disease control. It's actually maximizing that plant's ability to utilize the resources that you provided it or to make the best out of whatever Mother Nature is throwing at it. Well, Mother Nature is definitely going to throw some things at us. There's no doubt about that. So talk to us a little bit about last year. What did you see uh, last year for diseases, and what are some of them that you're most concerned about going into this year? So as I said, I'm in Kansas, and we typically see a little bit different disease spectrum than maybe the rest of the corn-producing states, but last year was kind of abnormal for us. We ran into northern corn leaf blight, which is more typically a northern disease. So we had a lot of people asking around about, you know, what is this? Is this something that we can use Veltima to combat? And absolutely, that was, yes, was the answer. But we also saw some of our typical diseases that we see for Kansas, things like gray leaf spot, uh, which we expect because it can overwinter. It lives in residues. So if you have corn on corn, gray leaf spot is something that can come back year after year. And then the other big one for us is typically southern rust. And we expect that to show up. It's just kind of a gamble as to when it comes into the season and how much of an impact it will have because that inoculum source actually blows in from more southern corn producing areas into the state of Kansas. And then for the first time, we had some counties that did document incidents of tar spots. So really, we had quite a bit of disease. Yeah, no kidding. And I know what you mean with that southern rust. We're we're always watching what happens to you down in Kansas as kind of an indication mm-hmm. of, ooh, how early is it going to hit Nebraska? And could it possibly get up to us in, in South Dakota this year, just like we do with some of the wheat diseases too? So you got some that you know you're going to have year in and year out. You got others like a tar spot, like a southern rust that you may or may not have early enough to amount to anything, or it could come early and it could be a big deal. So how do you go about setting up a program then to to uh, scout for things and also to preventatively apply fungicides to protect yourself? You Again, preventatively is the key, right? Because we do need to be in tune with what's going on in the field. We need to know what's happening in our surrounding geographies or even a little further away. You guys watch us for wheat disease. We watch Oklahoma and Texas for wheat disease, right? And we can apply the same concept to corn. So Think about the environment and what's happening, but when you choose to use a BASF plant health and fungicide product, you can rest assured that if you do get the disease, you're going to be protected by choosing Veltima, and you can also be ensured that you're going to be protected from those more stressful environmental conditions. If it does turn off hot and dry and it's not something that necessarily favors disease development, you're also helping that plant maximize its ability to weather those stresses. But flip side, when we are thinking about disease, we can scout, we can look at the forecast, but oftentimes we do have to pull that trigger before we see a disease lesion, something for like a tar spot, right? Or a southern rust, something that can come in really, really quickly and take hold. But also before we see that first disease lesion, it goes through something called the latent period, right? And I like to think about the latent period as the time it takes for that fungal seed, if you will, to germinate. Just like a weed seed takes time to germinate and grow under the soil before we see it emerge into our fields, 
fungal spores do the same thing. And oftentimes we don't see those diseases unless we're out scouting with some sort of a field microscope, but those diseases are robbing our plants of resources during that key reproductive time. And that's why it's important to act proactively. Think about our conditions, think about what we saw last year, but also think about our yield goals. Our crop is worth protecting. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, when you look at corn, for example, I know for our farm, if we're going to make an application early in the season to uh, even waist high corn, say, we can get across that pretty well. But there's a lot of growers that say, man, I've got to call in a plane when my corn gets a whole lot taller. So it gets to be a little bit of a challenge. And, you know, we, we think about different timings. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about was just kind of product categories. And and I look at products that, that BSF has, and you've got older products that have been out for a long time, like Headline, and then you've got products like Preaxia that have been really good for a long time. Now you got new things like Veltima. How do you know when it's the right time to jump uh, to really a whole different price category to get a different level of control? That's, that's a lot to think about, right? So we've got timing and then we've got product categories. And I'll touch on the timing real quick first. So thinking about timing, it's a lot about when is the stress happening or when is the disease coming in? So making an early application, say with a ground rig, you know, we have Veltima, you might see it in advertisements talking about five feet ready to treat. That's something to absolutely have a discussion at the local level and see if putting Veltima out early is that ideal timing for you guys, right? Because with Veltima, we pair our trusted plant health benefits with our longest lasting residual that we get from our Revisol active. And so we can see a widened window of control if we're not expecting disease on the back end. Maybe we push that application up to an earlier timing, like that five feet V10 timing. In my area, we operate more off of that first hassle, no hassle timing with Celtima, just because we do typically see southern rust in some way, shape, or form during our corn grain fill time and having that protection is really important on the back end for our crop thinking about our different categories i like to think that we have something for every acre right we have our tried and true headline headline amp and preaxor that are a little bit lower cost but still bring you really good plant health benefits maybe with not the same long lasting residual right that's what we see with veltima and then Revitech would be our brand that we promote in soybeans both of those are going to be powered by our Revisol Active, which is our longest lasting fungicide that we've brought to the market to date. So that is going to give us, we call it curative, but really it's just how that fungicide works to control the fungus. It's going to be best applied ahead of a funga, fungal introduction, so preventatively, but then it's going to kill that fungal spore in the process of its germination and prevent it from infecting that plant and causing lesions. So really, it's what diseases are you facing? How long of a window are you wanting to control? Yeah, there are a lot of things to think about when it comes to corn diseases. And the biggest point that I take away from this discussion is you got to be out there ahead of time. you got to prevent that from even getting started because even a low level of disease can certainly impact plant health and ultimately plant yield. been talking with Katie Stratham with BASF. Katie, thank you so much. really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, 
or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Farmers come to Commodity Classic from every state and beyond. I'm a farmer from Lexington, Tennessee. Brackenridge, Michigan. Finley, North Dakota. We're farmers, farmers from, from Elverson, Pennsylvania. Cope, Colorado. Northeast Arkansas. I'm a teacher from Glenview, Illinois. We are corn and soybean farmers from Allegan, Michigan, and we want to see you at Commodity Classic. Join us in Orlando as we're preparing for the next generation, March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. How can you make your corn crop more successful? I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, February 9th, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that can rob your yield potential. There's a great opportunity to make profit in your corn crop this year. Don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio and we're going to go back to the phone lines. Got Jim calling in from Ohio with a question on burr cucumber it sounds like. Jim, how are we doing today? Uh, getting ready for a snowstorm. First major so snowstorm this winter so far. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've already all had se- all ex- Yeah, they they do get excited. Yeah, we've had several of those yeah. already and some super cold temps and everything else and it's going to get cold for us next week too, but you know what, uh in a week here it's going to be February and then it, it it usually starts to feel like spring isn't too far away. So so anyway, what's your burr cucumber question? I I see where a bear company come out Trivolt, yes. new uh Would that be the thing to use on burr cucumber because okay. it always seems like it grows all the time. Yep, yep, yeah, it's one of the tougher weeds that we deal with. Uh, so 
trivolt is a combination of balance. That's an HPPD, and that's actually been pretty good on burr cucumber as a pre. That's been our favorite pre, by the way. Define, that's a group 15, so it's kind of similar to like harness, surpass, outlook, dual. Um, that doesn't do much on burr cucumber. And then you have varro in there. That's an ALS herbicide that's not going to give you a lot of activity on burr cucumber. So I would say, I mean, is trivolt going to be decent? Yes, but it's primarily because of the balance. So if let's, I'm just throwing this out there and see a lot of people hear these things with these, oh, it's a new product. Well, it's really not a new product at all. It's a combination of three products that have been around for 20 plus years. Uh, Trivolt, nothing wrong with it. It's fine. And it's a great combination for some farms. But if you told me all I have, Brian, is burr cucumber, I would say I'd probably spend my money a little bit different way. I'd definitely get the balance flex out there, but I don't know that you necessarily need the other two components. But again, I mean, it all depends on your weed spectrum. They'll kill a lot of other weeds, those other two products. Oh, and then post-emerge. What I would probably do, so I don't know what you've used in the past, but if it's me, I'd probably come with status and a little bit of atrazine post. So if let's say you started with Trivolt, or balance flex pre-emerge and then you come with status plus a little bit of atrazine post that's usually the the those are usually the top things we're going to talk to to people about in corn and then beyond that we just want to do everything we can to get a good crop canopy so hopefully the burr cucumber doesn't come back on us later on well i was hoping to do a one pass i didn't know mm. if i got to put drops on and come back in there or well, I mean, you can certainly try one pass. In worst case scenario, you just have to be out there scouting. And if you have to spray later, you have to spray later. So, I mean, Trivolt's not bad. It's just pre-emerge. We don't have I, – I, there's nothing I can tell you that for sure is going to give you season-long control on burr cucumber in one pass pre-emerge, unfortunately. So, so you'd leave the, leave the Trifex – I mean, Trivolt. Trivolt out and use Balance Flex. Well, if all I had was burr cucumber, I would probably just so go. No, I've, I've got, I've got exactly. assortment out there. <laughs> that's what I figured. And that's why you probably want the Trivolt because now you've got three different modes of action and you're not only going to do decent on burr cucumber, you're going to kill a whole lot of other weeds too. So Trivolt's just fine. If you want to use that, go ahead. And then, but all I'm saying here is post-emerge, you're getting kind of limited. Uh, you can't use another HPPD post-emerge because you already used it up pre. So now you're kind of left with status. That's the best. Buckteral isn't terrible, but status would be the best post if what you have to do it. What about the drop, drops with uh, glyphosate? Well, I, I, I mean, sure. I, I'm, I'm talking about besides glyphosate. So I didn't know whether we were talking about Roundup corn here or not. But, yeah, I mean, you, you've always got Roundup as an option. Okay, now this uh, status. Yes. Stay in the soil and, and give me a few weeks of uh, uh, control. It'll, and it's not going to be great. It'll give you a residual for a week or two. That's probably about it. Okay, I was just kind of... Trying to line up some chemicals for this uh, cornfield that I got. Yep. All right. Well, hey, uh, Jim, thanks for calling in today. Appreciate it. Good luck out there. Okay. Thank you, then. You bet. I've been talking corn diseases on today's show. We've got another expert on, Tamara Jackson-Zims down at University of Nebraska. Tamara, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. 
talked about a couple of these things. We kind of opened it up. We were talking to, to Katie Strathman down in Kansas. She works with BASF, and she said they saw a tar spot last year, and growers aren't too excited about that. And then, of course, <laughs> she said they get southern rust every year, and it's just a question of how early it is before uh, they send it on up north to you in Nebraska. Well, what are some of the big corn <laughs> diseases you're really worried about this year, and is tar spot one of them? Well, it is. Uh you know, you, you just you just heard that Kansas had, I think, six counties where it was confirmed last year. South Dakota did as well. And here in Nebraska, between them, we confirmed it in 31 counties. And so, it, you know, it's kind of racing across Nebraska, about a quarter of the way across now, and uh, kind of approaching central Nebraska where we have more pivot irrigation. And so we need to watch that pretty close now. Yeah, it's one thing uh, you, you say, oh boy, you go west in Nebraska, no problem, they're usually dry, uh-uh, <laughs> a lot of irrigated acres out there, so there's de- they're definitely going to make it rain on some of these fields. So with tar spot, it, we always hear it, when it comes early, it's a real big problem. If it comes super late, it's not as much of a problem, but yet it, it's one that, that once you've got it, it seems like, uh, uh-oh, now we've got it, and now we yeah. got to prepare every year. Yeah, I I agree. And that's something we want to make sure people understand. That's why we're working so hard to update the distribution map and find out how far it's gotten. Because once it does get into your area, it will be there and over winter. And tar spot will redevelop whenever conditions are favorable. And so for this fungus, it's especially favored by wet leaves. And the longer you have wet leaves, then the tendency to have tar spot is going to be higher, uh, especially with cooler temperatures. Uh, and that includes maybe cooler nighttime temperatures that we often see more of uh, late in the season. And so those are important risk factors. Of course, also uh, susceptible hybrids too. And so there's a lot for us to talk about with tar spot. Yeah, unfortunately, all the hybrids are susceptible. <laughs> we don't have any resistant ones yet. Hey, let me switch gears on you because I, I know we could talk tar spot all day here. Uh, but I, I know last year we had had some crown rot situations pop up around the country and Nebraska uh, was not spared in that at all. Uh, but it doesn't seem like there's a huge volume of, of data on the crown rots. Are you guys working on that now? And, and what if so, what have you found? Well, we are. We're, we're really just getting started on a project and acknowledge support from Bear Crop Sciences and helping us conduct a big survey, multi-state survey now. So we, we have samples now from them from six different states. And it turns out, you know, this could be a pretty complex problem. And if people uh, aren't aware of what we're talking about, we're talking about plants that may die quickly. And too early, you know, before senescence toward the end of the season, often like in September. And so if you dig those up and look at the crowns, split them open, you'll find that there's evidence of decay. It's really discolored and rotting inside there. And so it shuts water off to the rest of the plant really quickly. And so they die fast. And that can be single plants scattered around or big patches of it, a lot like a a stalk rot. So... We've started working on that to try to answer some questions. My counterpart, um, Allison Robertson at Iowa State is as well. And so um, not only do we need to know more about what's causing it, we need to know if there are production practices that favor this disease. And also, you know, some other questions about uh, 
do our seed treatment fungicides work? How early does this occur? And uh, are there other organisms contributing to this damage? So we, we have more questions, you're right, uh, right now than uh, we've got answers. Well, that's okay. I'm glad I'm glad you're working on it. I, I know, and I would say this too for everyone listening, uh, we get a lot of questions around diseases. Today we're talking a little about corn diseases, and people say, where can we look for resources? And there's some fantastic pathology departments at, at, at several of the universities, the University of Nebraska right at the top, and, and certainly we really enjoy the chance to talk to Tamara Jackson-Zims from time to time. Tamara, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info. Thanks for the work you're doing. Thank you, and good luck, everybody. You bet. We might need it the way it sounds with some of these diseases spreading a little bit, like tar spot that we were just hearing about. Now we'll talk more about corn diseases, and we'll take your calls and questions coming up right after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. It's exactly what Caleb did from down in Georgia. And Caleb said, hey, guys, any thoughts on curvularia leaf spot? Uh, it's a newer disease in our areas, but it's also out in a lot of fields here in the southeast. Now, we're told that it doesn't cause big economical losses, but I don't think it's going to help me on my goal to raising higher yields. What, uh, what do you know about curvularia leaf spot? Okay, so I found a study done over in China a couple of years ago, and over there, apparently this disease does cause lots of damage to their corn. Now, granted, they may have some different genetics, but I, I'm concerned about it. It looks kind of like eye spot, and there are a few other diseases but that it might look a little bit similar to. But in the work that they did over in China, they tested a whole bunch of different fungicides, and they all helped on the disease. So I'm very excited about that, that we should have a solution. I would just say be on the early side. That's what they found in, in this published work that I found over in China. If you are late, you will have yield loss. So it's just like we were talking about earlier in the show. You have to spray a fungicide before you see the disease. Once you see the disease, you've already lost a bunch of yield. But yeah, it looks like um, this could be a concern. So I wouldn't take the chance. If I was worried about it, I'd be spraying. Of course, in Caleb's area, he's probably spraying anyway. I, I mean, let's, let's face it. So chances yeah. are the fungicides you're using probably going to take it out. Well, the good yeah, the good news is if fungicides are effective, then it comes down to getting great coverage and getting that timing right. So those are things I know. That, yeah, like you say, Brian, in the southeast, irrigated corn, guys are spraying multiple passes of fungicides in most cases, but uh, that's certainly something that you got to look at. I, then the other piece of that is just getting great coverage. So do everything you can to get great coverage. The other thing I'd say too, Caleb, is just making sure that your coverage is getting the leaves that you want protected, protected. So if you want to protect the plant all the way down, uh, you, you got to get out there and do some checking and make sure you're coating that plant all the way through. You got enough pressure, you got enough uh, spray volume, those kinds of things. All right. Uh, I've got a number of questions in here for the Ag PhD mailbag. We'll dive back into some of those. Uh, this one comes from Gabriel. You guys talk about plant growth regulators, uh, for example, Palisade that you use in wheat. What about using something like Palisade in soybeans? Uh, I, I hear that it shortens the plant. And it seems like the yield is, is still good on wheat. Would it do the same thing in soybeans? Just curious if it would affect the germ in any way. We're growing seed beans, looking to add yield, but we do want to keep the germ and the quality in great shape too. Well, first of all, it's not labeled. Yeah, I had this same question, I don't know, two or three years ago, something like that. And I was just told, hey, it's not labeled and it's not going to work the same in a broadleaf crop as it is in a grass crop. So... I, I I guess that's really about all we can say. Yeah, I, I wish we had something that actually was labeled that could keep the beans a little bit shorter. Yeah, the the but, height thing is is not one that um, 
I mean, there are other things that can shorten up soybeans, but when you look at plant growth regulators in soybeans, there's a couple that we're using. Uh, the one that we've used the longest uh, for the longest period of time is MegaGrow. The return on investment in that has been fantastic. But that doesn't shorten the beans. It's, it's an auxin-based product, and it drives root growth. Now, it doesn't necessarily shorten beans up, but it does tell the bean plant, hey, let's put some energy into growing a great root system, which is awesome because soybeans have one-fifth the root size of, of corn. So being able to explore a little more volume of soil is really important. And then coming up later, when we get into the reproductive stages, we really like a product called Inertia that helps promote chlorophyll development and driving sugar production to feed growth. That's been a nice one when we're in that reproductive timing and there's such a high nutrient demand helping that plant uh, just just grow as fast as it can and and produce as much seed as it can but in terms of shortening that plant up it's been uh, harsh herbicides earlier planting dates uh, those kinds of things and you know there are a lot of things you can play with row spacing and population and and different things but yeah it'd be nice I agree with you it'd be nice if there was something as easy as using palisade on small grains that we had in soybeans, but at this point, we sure haven't found it yet. So when you find it, Gabriel, uh, let us know about that too, because we'll we'll definitely give that a try as well. All right, uh, get got some comments here from Cade, and he had sent some soil tests to us previously, and he said, first of all, guys, thanks for answering my previous soil questions. You had in-depth and helpful. Uh, insight for me. Uh, when when I'm looking at, at the order of things, you're generally looking at pH, then you're looking at uh, base saturation ratios, percentages, those kinds of things, and you get into the different nutrients. Uh, but hey, hey, let me just stop it right there. When we say we look at these things first, that does not necessarily mean we're going to spend our money there first. It depends on the degree of how far something is off. So, so anyway, let's say we're close on pH, but we're dramatically off on whatever, phosphorus. Even though we didn't look at phosphorus first, we're still going to spend our first dollar on phosphorus. Our, our, the, the objective is to try to figure out what's our biggest yield limiting factor and start eliminating it from there and just go on to the next one, the next one, the next one. All right. Uh, Cade goes on to say, uh, let me give you an example here and, and help me work through this. So say that I've got 64% calcium and I've got 34% mag, and my K is low, say it's at 2%. I know you want to add some more K to that, but that only makes up a few of the percentages. Uh, what about that high magnesium? Is that impacting my potassium availability? Uh, it yep. is high in about all of our tests. So just kind of curious if your average pH is not bad. It's it's around 7.1. You, you would like it a little lower, but it's not terrible. No, it's uh, fine. I've thought about how far can you push that calcium up to try to, to reduce that. Uh, I don't think that would have an impact on pH. Just kind of curious, uh, calcium sulfate, other things. What what would you recommend if we were really concentrating on that magnesium? Okay. Well, first thing I'm going to recommend is that you tile. Second thing I'm going to recommend is you fix all your other nutrients, and then you come back and address the magnesium. So that's what I would do. And how you would address the magnesium. So let's say I'd, I've already done that. I've I tiled everything. I fixed all the other nutrients. So that means phosphorus, potassium, 
sulfur, zinc, copper, boron, iron, magnesium. I've literally fixed everything else. I've gotten everything else into really good levels, so I feel like I can raise a great crop. And the last thing that's sitting there is I got 64 on calcium, and at that point you'll probably have 30 on magnesium or whatever, 32. Um, at that point, if I say, all right, I've taken care of literally everything else I can possibly do on the farm, now I'll just put a whole bunch of money into sulfur and I'll try to flush that magnesium out. How I would do that, um, maybe a little bit of elemental sulfur, probably a fair amount of gypsum. So that's what I would do. But I'm trying to think of what, what Kinsey says for flushing magnesium out. For every pound of magnesium, it's going to take two pounds of sulfur. And so this is the whole thing. I, I mean, we can fix this in in a year. I mean, I can make your ratios perfect in a year, but you're not going to like the bill at all. And I can't promise you that it's going to pay. Whereas if I get the right fertility out there that I need to raise a great crop, that I know is going to pay. So I'd, I'd rather do that stuff first. And tiles, the by far the first thing I'm doing, because that 100% for sure I know is going to pay. If, if I need that. But usually those high mag soils, poorly drained. And so tile is really important because if you're going to flush anything out, you first have to fix the drainage. And if you don't have tile, if you don't have good drainage, then anything else you do to try to reduce the magnesium is not going to help. All right. Thanks for the, for the question. Uh, going to get to this one in the next segment, but I'll give you just a little teaser here. Uh, this one, um, comes in about balance flex guys I want to ask you a little bit about balance flex I am mainly corn on corn uh, however last year I did plant soybeans in this particular ground but I'm going back to corn this year I'm just curious I have had streaks in the past as I've worked in some of my pre's so I'm wondering about balance flex if that would be an option for me if I would spray it after I plant Got a few other questions as well. We'll talk about that. Do you work in your pre-herbicide? Do you lay it on the top? Which way is going to work the best? Right after this. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah. Her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash US crop. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlast the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Cold weather draining your batteries? Nothing delivers peace of mind like a quality battery charger from CNB. Going on now? Buy three batteries and get the charger on sale. Learn more or shop online at DeerEquipment.com. CNB, your local John Deere dealer of choice. Offer runs until May 2023. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Ag PhD mailbag time. We're just taking your calls and questions the rest of the show. So if you say, ah, I don't know, those guys don't want to take the time to answer my call, call in right now. We'll answer it. We'll talk to you and we'll work through whatever agronomic situation you got on. And I got one here. This one's from Northwest Iowa. I was talking about it just before the break. Uh, six years corn on corn and then last year went soybeans. Uh, and they're they're interested in using some balanced flex, but want to do it after planting. And here's why. He said, last year I worked in the authority edge and I could see streaks. Uh, also, Zidua didn't seem to hold by itself for us. That was pretty dry all year, though, uh, thinking that... Didn't hold what? What uh, didn't it kill? Didn't say here. Uh, <laughs> he said, was planning on running post with Acuron GT or... Trivolt with Roundup and Dual plus uh, <laughs> plus uh, either, well, one of the fungicides, then spraying some steward out there because they're worried about corn rootworm beetles. So usually he said we're spraying and working things in, but just kind of feeling like we had some streaks in the past. Maybe we should lay stuff on top. What are the pros and cons? We've got... Um, We've got a rogator. Okay. We can get a lot done in a hurry if gotcha. we need to. Okay. So here's the biggest con is you now have to have rain instantly because if you're spraying – now, it all – I guess – let me step back. It depends on when you, you're planting. If you're out there planting April 10th, I think I think that's the date for their first planting in northwest Iowa, April 10th. If you're out there April 10th, there are probably no weeds growing, and then you've got a little time to get rain. But if you're, let's say, planting April 25th or May 1st or May 5th, something like that, well, now the weeds are already germinated, a lot of them, and you got to have rain right away. Otherwise, that herbicide's not going to work. And all of a sudden, you got weeds coming up and you're going to go, oh, this stuff didn't work. Well, you have to have rain really timely when you spray after planting. That's why, personally, I like spraying before planting. And like last year, we did a lot of our spraying in March. I mean, we go super early. The earlier you can go, the better. You even do a little bit in the very late fall, right before freeze-up. That works fantastic. So anyway, that's how I'd rather see you do it. Uh, 
but I understand your concern about the, the streaking. We don't typically have a lot of streaking, so I'd look at how wide your shovels are and if things are starting to get worn down or you know how, what, what you're incorporating with. We use a field cultivator, and that works pretty well So it, with a harrow behind. But anyway, um, I, 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 I guess I'll also say this really sounds to me like you're trying to get by with one pass. I don't ever recommend that. I like doing a pre, then I follow up with something post, then that cleans up any streaks that might be out there too, and then I just I have a cleaner field. So I'm going to recommend you go two shots. If you want to go balance flex, you follow up with roundup and something else, fine. The challenge with putting balance flex down is now you've burned up your, your HPPD. Post-emerge, you're going to walk into your retailer and you're going to say, okay, well, I got to kill some weeds. Here are the weeds. And they're going to say, all right, well, you can use uh, Callisto or generic Callisto or Loudish or something like that. And, and they're going to tell you, well, this is going to cost you $2.50 to maybe 5 bucks." And you're going to go, wow, that sounds great. Well, if you forget, you had the HPPD down and you can't do that. Um, you now have doubled up on HPPD. And it's fine if you want to go back to corn. But where you may start to run into some problems is with weed resistance. We're already seeing some of that. Um, I, I've had some reports down in Nebraska of HPPD-resistant water hemp. You don't want that. So you want to use two different modes of action. So, I, I mean, when you when you mentioned, like, for example, Trivolt plus Roundup and Dual, I mean, at least you got four different modes of action there. So that, that, that part's nice. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm fine if you want to do Balance Flex, and I, I get it you know, what you're talking about with streaks and everything else. It's an okay herbicide, but it's not like any of these pre's. I don't care what you use. Any of them are going to be perfect all season long. So if you're trying to get by in one pass, I just say you got to do everything you can to have your corn be fantastic. I mean, great drainage, great fertility program, get that crop started early, growing early, get it out ahead so you get great crop canopy, and maybe you can luck out and get by with just one pass. But I, I mean, anyway, I'm just, I, I would say I'm concerned about that. Did he even give us what his weed problems were? No. Yeah. So that, and that becomes the problem. We get a lot of these questions in like, what do you think of this herbicide? Well, it, it's fine in general, but, but if I don't know what, Iowa, we get a pretty good idea. We have a pretty good idea. It's water hemp is number one, number two, number three. Beyond that, you get grass and stuff like that. So Balance Flex is good on water hemp. It's, uh, it's okay on grass. So I like the group 15 on grass. So that'd be something like a dual or a zidua or whatever. So I'm guessing like your zidua, it held fine on grass, didn't hold fine on broadleaves, which it shouldn't. It's not that good on broadleaves. It's okay, maybe 70, 80% on water hemp. That's about all you're going to get out of zidua or any group 15. So, and balance flex, you might get 90. There's nothing I can tell you that's going to give you 100% season-long control on water hemp if you start early. So that's why I really like a two-shot program. Oh, coming back to, I just told you, you burned up your HPPD. So you're, if you did, um, then post-emerge, your best option status. And that's uh, $16, $18 an acre, something like that. It's phenomenal. It's going to kill every single broadleaf weed that was ever known to man. But um, it costs a, a whole bunch more money than uh, Callisto or Generic or something like that. All right. Thanks for the questions. Really appreciate that. 
Uh, I get this one from Kirk down in Texas, and unfortunately I know we're not going to be able to answer some of this. Uh, uh, Kirk says, hey, I'm in northeast Texas. I got one-acre grids. It's the home one through six and land one through nine. Got it. I did 12-inch tests since this is my first time testing these fields. It was neat to see where my pH was 6.2 to 7.2. That's why where I had burned brush piles 10-plus years ago. My K's also in better shape in those areas. Currently, I'm planning to add dolomitic lime where I've got pHs below 6, and I also have low magnesium in those areas. Yes. My question is, how much dolomitic lime do I need to add when I've got such low CECs and a really high buffer pH of like 6.8 in a lot of cases? Not much. Yeah, you don't don't want to add much. And here's the challenge, Kirk. We don't have a sample of your lime. And so we need a sample of that lime, too, to, to really start figuring out how much to add. Yeah, his CECs are 3, 5, somewhere in that range. So as you can imagine, boron, sulfur, all the leachable things, very, very low. Okay, so a couple that we could answer. How much potash do I need? And where should I try and target base saturation levels? If I was going to shoot for that 6 to 8% range, would that be enough K out there even to feed my crop? My plan is to raise 3 tons per acre of Bermuda slash Bahia. Now, if you're talking about taking hay off and you're taking 3 tons per acre, you're going to need a lot of K. And in a 3 to 5 CEC soil... Your base saturation percentage is going to be pretty high at the start of the year. Right, it is. And so I don't know if you pulled that up. Do we have that on our fertilizer removal app? Bermuda, Bahia, anything? Uh, so anyway, when Darren asks, sometimes when Darren asks these questions that he knows I don't know the answer off the top of my head, he'll already look up what it is. So I don't know exactly what you need there. Uh, but I, I just say this. Yeah, you're going to have... In super light soil like that, three to five, we're not tar- even targeting base mm-hmm. saturation K as much as we're targeting parts per million. Yeah, if we've got, got Bermuda, to get that up. Bermuda grass, three yeah, okay. tons of Bermuda would be 150 pounds of K2O potassium, just removal alone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So roughly call it um, 75. I'm trying to do the math here quick. 60 parts per million. So you're at least 60 parts per million. That's, that's what we're going to remove every single season. So with soil that light, three to five, you're going to be putting on potassium at least once per year, probably twice per year on grass like that with your long growing season and everything. That's most likely what I would do. Yeah, so you could pull this up. It's the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app. It's free. Just type in Bermuda grass, kick in your three tons per acre. You'll see you need 150 pounds of K2O potassium. You're going to remove 36 pounds of phosphate uh, just to kind of get you off to the right yeah, so that 150, that's 250 pounds of potash is what you'd have to put out every year. So if it's me, I might put 150 out to start. I might put 100 out mid-season or maybe even another 150 out mid-season, something like that, to try to stay ahead of it all the time. Yeah, and the sulfur, you had another question about how much sulfur do I need and... Uh, you're going to be putting it's out not... some K-Mags. You're going to have some sulfur in there yeah. as you're trying to deliver some of that. So, yeah, you need 12 pounds of sulfur to be removal. It's Wait, he about... said he was going to use K-Mag? He's going to use oh, some okay, K-Mag sorry. out yeah, there. So, yeah, you just you got several things. What I would do, and what I recommend, <laughs> Kirk, is just to, to start a spreadsheet out and put, okay, here's the additions I'm going to make. Here's how many pounds are in each. 
and then you can figure out how many total pounds when you add all those sources together. I'll also say his phosphorus is really low, so he's going to need a bunch of phosphorus in addition to all these other things we've already mentioned. Yeah. Oh, and, and copper and as well. And if there's 36 Enzo pounds can, of sorry. phosphate removal in three tons of Bermuda hay, you'll have to apply accordingly to get that out. Hey, thanks for the questions, Kirk. We're out of time here for today's program. But, of course, if anyone has a question, if you've got a question you want to send in for your farm, it's radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.